Today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about how you can get back to running in 30 days. Now, before we get started in this episode, if you're confused and you're not sure exactly what's wrong with you or what you can do, I actually did something recently. It was a presentation that we had called 12 Steps to rapid recovery from running injuries. And so this was a live presentation where I went through in order what I actually do with every single person who calls me for a consultation. So this is worth listening to. So it's only up for a limited time. We're gonna have some replays available. I think I did live, but if you got the invitation, you missed it, I'm sorry, but we do have some replays available because I got lots of emails afterwards asking for it for the people that actually couldn't show up for one reason or another. So. We will have those available. If you want to get it, you can go to docontherun.com slash 12 steps and you should be able to access it there if it's still live whenever you're listening to this. That's one thing that might be really useful for you if you are confused. So let's cue up the theme song and then we'll get right into the episode. So the big question is this, how are runners like us who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. When other doctors ask me, you know, what I really do in my practice, I put it pretty simply for them. I just tell them that basically all I do is I help runners figure out how to stay fit, hang on to their running fitness, and get back to running as quickly as possible. And the focus is always on getting back to running and setting specific goals related to running as opposed to just focusing on the injury. And I think it's really important. Now, the one thing that every injured runner has in common with all the other injured runners is this sort of self-criticism that I hear when I talk to people on webcam calls. Um, and it, that starts to really erode your confidence and it really works against you in a, in a horrible way. So even when you get an injury and you start running again and you start to compare yourself to other people, you're going to get into trouble fast. And even worse, what I see is that runners who get re-injured do so because they're usually trying to compare their currently recovering injured selves from their sort of pre-injured, fully trained and most fit self. And although it's good to have this positive image of you, you know, running a, a sub four hour marathon or whatever, qualifying for Boston, whatever the thing is that you think made you a real runner. Um, if you focus on that and you think that you're supposed to be that as soon as you get out of your fracture walking, but you're just going to get re-injured. Now, the thing is, is that, you know, this is, easy to recognize, I think, when you're beginning running. It's hard when you're a, a long-time runner. But what happened, and the reason we're having this episode today, is that I was actually on a call with a woman who called me and wanted my help, and she wanted to schedule a consultation with me. And what she did was she committed what I call the cardinal sin of runner self-criticism. And so I was talking to her, and she literally said to me, I know you only work with runners. I only ran 2.65 miles yesterday, so I am not really a runner. And when she said that, I not only immediately thought of Jill Angie from the Not Your Average Runner podcast, but I actually was quoting Jill with some of the things that she has said over and over on her podcast about how you define a runner, about what a real runner is and what it really means to be a runner. And I actually said, you have got to go right now. You need to go listen to some of her podcasts. So the very next day, I actually uh, reached out to Jill and asked her if she'd come back on the show today to share some of her insights, wisdom, and all of her glowing energy with all of you today. So Jill, welcome to the show. 
Hi, thank you so much for having me back. It's uh, I'm very excited about today. Yeah, no, it's really great to to have you here, and uh, and it really is true. I mean, I just I think about you all the time, particularly when I talk to some runner who you know seems to be a little down in the dumps and a little sheepish about even labeling themselves as a runner. It, you know, I really think about you, and so for all of you listening right now who don't know Jill, well, Jill is who I think of as the Oprah of runners. And just so you know, that's my description, not hers. She's way too humble to put herself in that camp with Oprah. But if you listen to her show, you'll see exactly what I mean. She's positive. She has these endlessly uplifting stories. And, and she is really and truly one of my favorite podcast hosts. And, uh, you know, whenever I have one of those days where I've had uh, just sort of like, let's say things go sideways and it seems like my day is not really going well, um, I actually will download one of her episodes and go listen to that when I do an afternoon run and it always helps. All right, Jill. So now I know that you have this talent for working with runners who are just getting started with running. In fact, I think you actually created something called the 30 day running start kit. And so to start off today, I was hoping that you could just kind of tell us how that 30 day running start kit got started and how it's helping people in your audience and your and your coaching clients right now. Yeah, absolutely. So the 30-day running start kit is I, I created it mostly for women, you know, 40 and over who would consider themselves to be plus size, but also want to start running. And very often that type of woman has been taught her whole life that runners are thin, runners are fast, and runners are definitely not plus sized. And I, I think all of that is just wrong. <laughs> I know it's wrong because I'm, you know, living proof that it, that it isn't, that it isn't true, but I wanted to help other people kind of get a taste of what it's like to be a runner in the body you have right now. So I created this, this kit to just kind of take you through your first sort of 30 days of learning like what's working for you, what doesn't work for you and building up that confidence so that maybe you could, I don't know, train for a 5k or something like that. But it's basically a taste of running for particularly women, but anyone really who has always thought I'm too fat, I'm too unathletic, I'm too old. And it's, it's just kind of a way for people to get started safely. <laughs> right. Well, this <laughs> is the, the key this word. Is, that is a key word. I mean, the nothing. It, so I was actually doing this project with my son recently where we're rebuilding a, a boat motor. So we took the, the, you know, the engine out of the boat and it's very old. Everything's rusty and corroded and so on. And, and I said, okay, we have to get these bolts out, but they're rusty. And, and I said, what is the fastest way to take out a bolt? And he said, with a wrench or with a, you know, with the, the impact driver. Or I said, no, the fastest way to remove a bolt is in one piece. And if you break it, we will spend the rest of the day trying to drill out that bolt and get it out of there after we break it. So you need to go very slow and very carefully to make sure that you don't break that bolt. And I think this is true with new runners, with injured runners, with people who've taken time off because of canceled races or whatever. It's really important to remember that the fastest way to get your fitness back is to not break yourself in the process. And, you know, when runners call me, they, they are trying to figure out what to do. They're looking for a diagnosis and they're looking for a path to get better with that diagnosis. And they always think there's one answer. I mean, I've done, you know, 500 podcasts or something and hundreds of YouTube videos that are sort of talking about all this stuff. And yet people will literally post some comment about 
the process I use and the way that I help runners get focused and get back to running, focusing on their goals. And they'll say, my doctor said I had a, a grade whatever stress fracture. Is it okay if I run now? And I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I don't know. What did your doctor say? Like, it's just crazy. But they think because I work with runners that I have like the magic answer for if you have this thing, then it's this long. And it's not any more than to say, well, how long does it take for me to run a marathon? Well, it takes you 26.2 miles to run a marathon. How much time that is depends on what you do between now and the day that you actually get to the finish line. And, you know, and it's, I just really think it's interesting how, you know, on social media, right, everybody posts a picture of them out on their run and a picture of their watch showing how fast they ran and how far they ran and how many days they've been on the run streak, all these little things, right? And then they get injured and I ask them, how fast was your mile the last time you ran a mile? Like, what's your pace, you know, on your last run? And they know that, but they don't know what their pain is. They don't know, okay, what did you do on Wednesday to make this better? Well, I don't know. My doctor said don't run. Okay, not running is not a plan. You know, that's, a, that's avoidance. That's something else. Um, you need to track what you're doing. And the stuff that we do in training, like when we have a, a schedule of training runs, and then, you know, somebody's doing their first marathon, you tell them, well, look, go look at your training run or your training log. And remember, you did all this stuff to prepare for that day. And it will give you the confidence to go, man, I did all this work. I can totally do this. And I think injured runners lose that. They forget that they have this process that works really effectively for them. And so I start telling them, you got to track your pain. You know, there's a pain journal you can print off uh, from the website. We'll have it at the bottom of the show notes. But you've got to track everything that you're doing that actually pays dividends for you recovering faster. And I think that's really important. I know you do a similar thing with your runners, right? When somebody's injured. So, you know, if you have a client who's, you know, been doing great, they got a stress fracture and they've been told they, they you know, they, they can't run for months, they lost all their fitness. And now finally they're reaching out to you because they've kind of gotten clearance to run, but you know, they're severely deconditioned and probably worse off than before they ever started running. What advice would you give them? What would you tell them to do? Well, if they're coming to me after an injury, I mean, I would start them out real slow. And the first thing I always say is, what did your doctor tell you? Right. <laughs> um, and I don't want you running until your doctor has cleared you to run. And and then I, I mean, I always suggest like, hey, let's just do half of what you think you can do. Right. Like, let's start, because if you start out, you know, if you were, if you were doing five miles comfortably before you got your stress fracture and now it's been, I don't know, like six, eight, maybe even 12 weeks before you've been cleared to run and your brain is going to say, well, I should be able to, I should work up to five miles. I should get there really fast. And I'm like, Hey, let's do a mile. And, and even if you do that mile and you think I could totally do four more miles, I want you to stop. And then the next day, notice how you feel. Because a lot of times I think we, we get in our, our brains are so excited that it sort of numbs out our pain signals. And then we end up overdoing it and, and, you know, maybe even having to take more time off. So that's usually the first thing I say is, you know, once you've been officially cleared to run, I want you to do half or maybe even less than half and then wait a couple days and make sure that like nothing's flaring up and then you can kind of inch back into it. But it really is, it is all about the mental piece of it because it, as you said earlier, is we're comparing ourselves to where we were before we got injured and you don't have the same body after you've come back from an injury. And if you've done all of your physical therapy and if you followed everything your doctor told you to do, 
you might actually have a stronger body <laughs> after you get done, um, but you still have to rebuild the cardiovascular fitness, the endurance, and and all of that. And I think that it really starts with setting your expectations a lot lower than where you think you should be at. Because where you think you should be at is just some kind of like BS comparative stuff that happens in our brain, right? Like, uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a very long answer to your question, but essentially I'd say start out with like less than half of what you think you can do and then don't do any more, even if you want to wait and see what happens and then slowly ease back into it that way. No, that's, that's really helpful. And it's fantastic advice. You know, I, I lectured a lot of medical conferences many times a year and I'm always teaching physicians about what to do with injured runners with certain conditions. And I was giving a talk recently in Lake Tahoe and and I was talking about this one specific injury and I, and I basically break it down and make it really, really simple because I don't think there's one simple answer. And I was talking about it. I said, okay, so this is what you do. You do this and then you do this. And then you take them out of the fracture walking boot and you take your thumb and you push, you palpate right where it hurt before. And if they have no pain, what does that mean? And someone raised her hand and she said, well, it means they're healed there. I said, no, you've confirmed it is strong enough now that you can push on it with your thumb without causing pain. You have not confirmed that it's healed. You've not confirmed they can do jump box jumps. You have not confirmed that they can go for a five mile run. But if you tell a runner, hey, I pushed out with my thumb and you're healed, they're gonna go do one of those things and they're gonna get re-injured. So then what you do is you put them back in the fracture walking boot for another week to let it solidify and become strong enough that they can then do that other stuff so that they don't get injured. But that's really what it is. And so the runners are always waiting for this. Am I ready to run? Am I ready to run? And no, you know, it, you have to really think that you've got this one piece of tissue that's slowing you down, but if you mess it up, it's going to slow you down further. And yeah, I think it's really, really huge that you, you take such a slow approach with them. But remembering that it's only that one injured part, you can always strengthen all of these other things that support and protect that injured part when you run. And if you do that, it will be exactly what you said, that they will be actually stronger, more efficient, and more injury protected in the future and less prone to getting those re-injuries. That's really, really important, you know, but the, the fitness piece is just so hard for runners, right? Like, um, I remember there's a, I think it's a Japanese proverb and I heard it on some investment podcast thing and it was, and basically it goes something like, you know, um, uh, saving money and building wealth is like digging with a nail, but losing wealth is like pouring water on sand. And mm. cause it is, it's hard to save money and it's easy to spend money and fitness is the same way. Like it takes so long to build up this really strong aerobic base, you know, like really like marathon type fitness but a few weeks of injury and it's like gone if you don't do anything. So it's really crucial that you do this other stuff to try to make sure that you can hang on to that fitness throughout that recovery process while you protect that one injured part. It's really the most important thing. So, you know, running injuries though, depending upon what you read, you know, roughly 80% of runners are supposedly get injured each year. I think that's probably an overstatement, at least what most runners would consider to be an injury. They probably wouldn't think that, but why do you think that runners get injured so much? And what do you think is the most helpful way to avoid the classic overtraining mistakes? I mean, because even though they're really common and we kind of all know what they are, we all do them, right? Everybody. Yeah. So what, what's your approach with that? Like, how do you keep people out of the, the weeds of injury? 
it, it this reminds me of a conversation I had with a client just a few nights ago and she's one of my beginning runners and she's, she's had taken some time off running and now she's back to it. And she's struggling because she's not as fast. She's been back to running for about six weeks. And she said she's about a minute per mile slower than she was at this time last year. And I'm like, all right. So we're kind of talking about what her routine looks like. And she's like, I don't know. I've been really consistent. I'm doing my strength training. And I said, well, what else do you have going on? And she said, well, I'm doing this 75 hard thing, which, you know, and, and for, I, I know you, you're, you're laughing right now. You know exactly what I'm talking about, but yeah. for, for folks that don't, it's like twice a day for essentially six weeks in a row, you do two 45 minute workouts a day. And then there's a, there's a nutritional component that goes with it that I think is probably fairly restrictive. Oh, um, and, and a gallon of water every day. Yeah. Right. Yep. It's so I'm just like, Oh, I'm like, well, you're overtraining. <laughs> That's, so I think that there's this, this confusion with not, and not just with beginners, but with experienced runners as well, that, that more is better. And I really think it's a fine line. I mean, I train my runners when they're doing a half marathon, their longest run is only 10 miles because I don't want them to you know, especially if it's their first time, I don't want them to use up all of the miles on their legs on their training. I want them to save some of those best miles for race day. And so I, I create training plans that for my runners that, that really, and a lot of them, I think get a little frustrated because they're like, Oh, I feel like you're holding me back. But then on race day, when they finish and they feel great, I'm like, see, that's, that's how it works. Right. So I think, yeah, for overtraining, I just am constantly giving them the rule that, you know, we don't run two days in a row unless it's a, unless you're an experienced runner and you've built up to running four days a week, then yes, you're going to have to run two days in a row. But in general, three days a week is, is all you really need to be to train to finish. And, and my population of runner are not training to finish in the top 10%. They're not training to medal or anything like that. Like my, my women are there because they want to finish. They want to feel proud of themselves and they want to feel good. And so that's, that's exactly how I help them. I'm like, you get to run three days a week, maybe four days a week. And you got to do your strength training because we call it prehab. <laughs> Right. <laughs> Instead of rehab, because almost every time one of my runners gets injured, if it wasn't like a sprained ankle or something like that, it's usually, oh, I'm, you know, my IT band or I've got bursitis or, and I'm like, well, what's your strength training been like? Well, I really haven't been doing it. And it's just, you know, 90% of the time it's, it's strength training. So I think that strength training can actually you know, even if you're overtraining a little bit with your running, if you're doing your strength training, you can probably kind of get away with it a little bit. Um, but yeah, those are, those are my basics. Three days a week of running, no, no running back to back and at least two days a week of strength training. Yep. Um, and that, I mean, I give the, the people that work with me, um, my paid clients, I actually give them strength training routines that they can do with resistance bands. So they don't have to go to the gym. They don't have to hire a personal trainer. They totally can, which, you know, if that's something that's in your budget, I say hire a personal trainer. It's amazing. But I like to give people 
simple and uncomplicated but effective routines that are just going to work specifically work the muscles that you need to work and not like we don't do a lot of bicep curls and tricep kickback because you're not really using those muscles too much <laughs> when you're running. So we do, you know, just a lot more very targeted uh, lower body and core work. But honestly, like I think that you know, for beginning runners, I'd much rather see them even run twice a week and then strength train twice a week. And I think that their running will progress a lot faster that way than if they're running three or four days a week and not doing any strength training. No, for sure. And I mean, no question, right? Like if you, if you're running every day and you get injured, it doesn't really matter what you did. You're going to lose all of it. And, uh, at a conference one day, one of the doctors in the question and answer period asked me, what is, the most effective way to help runners avoid injury in the first place. Mm -hmm. And I said, it's really simple. Don't ever let them run on back-to-back -back days. Yeah. Like if you want to get injured, run on back-to-back -back days. If you yeah. want to, you know, particularly when I see lots of people that get busy with work or family commitments, something comes up, some emergency, and they're just convinced they have to do every workout on the training schedule and they'll miss a workout and then they'll put like two really hard workouts back to back, yeah. you know, a, like a speed session and a long run or something like literally one day and then the next have the other and they get injured and they're confused. And <laughs> there's a reason that the schedule yeah. is put together the way that it is. It's not just yeah. fitting it into your personal schedule. It's really fitting into your physiologic schedule. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we really have to pay close attention to that. Now, I know when we were talking earlier, you, um, you were talking about how you track things. And when I track things with people who are injured, I'm always focusing on, okay, you, you have a couple ways to make decisions. You can wait until it shows up as healed on your x-ray. That'll take forever. And when it's healed, it wasn't healed that day. It was healed before, but you had to wait for it to show up. And so you've waited unnecessarily long to try to do stuff. Or you can try to figure it out by, by noting what it feels like, what it feels like, you know, in the evenings after you tried some new workouts in the morning, when you wake up after you've done those workouts, not what you feel during any kind of exercise, not when you feel walking around, but what you feel later or the next day. And so I get people to track these very specific things that mean something to me as a physician. Um, and I know that you have a different approach, which I think is actually really, really valuable. And it's sort of like, I think you're kind of explaining it kind of like how you, um, you know, track things that are going to help their mindset uh, mm -hmm. in, in a big way. So maybe you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think one of the biggest struggles for an injured runner is that they're not running. And so they can't be looking at their Garmin data and, and, you know, like watching all of their progression. So they've got that, you know, they've got that whole piece of their life that's not there. And then the, also they've got all these thoughts of, oh my gosh, when am I going to run again? I'm so stressed out. I need to run. I miss running and, and I'm going to lose so much fitness, like all of the, the things that are going on in the brain. So I like to give my runners a project <laughs> while they're injured, which is basically we're going to track all kinds of aspects of your recovery as if you were training for a race. And so I want you to get a calendar out and I want you to write down every single time you went to physical therapy, every time you did your PT exercises on your own, every time you got a massage or a acupuncture or uh, did an Epsom salt bath or, you know, track how much rest and sleep you're getting, like in addition to the pain and, and all of that, but like really, you know, when, when you start keeping track of the activities you're doing to bring yourself back to where you want to be, 
you start to see like, oh, well, actually, maybe I'm not really doing a lot to help my recovery. You know, maybe I do. Maybe what can I do? What is one thing I can do every single day to move my recovery forward? And when you put your attention to it and start keeping track of it, it becomes obvious, like how much more you can do. So, and, and it gives the, the runner's brain something to do, something to focus on other than, oh my gosh, I'm losing so much fitness. And, and also I, I think there's a lot of stuff that you can do unless you're in a full body cast or something. I feel like there's plenty of fitness related things you can do to either work on your cardiovascular fitness or your muscular strength that aren't going to bother the the injured parts of the body. Um, But the other piece that I like to, you know, help, help my runners reframe is very often the biggest thought they have is, I'm losing so much time, right? I'm just losing so much time. I'm losing so much fitness. What This is a setback. And I think that's the common thing. This is a setback. And so the way I like to have people reframe that is in most cases, it's not really a setback because the reason you got injured, unless it was an acute injury, like you stepped off a curb and sprained your ankle, the reason you got injured is probably either overtraining or some sort of muscular imbalance. So guess what? That injury was always going to happen. <laughs> and this is just, you know, this is just the, the course correction, right? Like if you imagine you set your GPS to go from New York to California and it never actually happens the way the GPS plans it. Cause you run into a traffic jam or whatever. And in those situations, we don't think, oh my gosh, this is such a setback. We're like, no, I'm just going to follow the instructions and reroute myself. And I like to think of fitness that way. Like, oh, I got injured. I, my IT band is flared up or I have a stress fracture. Like, oh, okay. This is just the traffic jam showing me that I was going in the wrong direction and I need to reroute. So instead of thinking of it as a setback, it's like, okay, this is my opportunity to redirect and come back even stronger than I was before. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the the thing that I like to tell runners is like, okay, you got injured. The reality is is that you are heading for a series of injuries. And this one gives Mm -hmm. you the opportunity to avoid all of those other potential injuries in the future. I mean, because the reality is, is like, if you're just habituated to like going out and running as much as you can or trying to keep up with somebody else on Instagram or their their portrayal of what they're doing Mm -hmm. on Instagram. Well, if you, (laughs) I mean, if you do, you're going to be in trouble, you know, and um, it's really, it's like a, you see, like, there's all these people on social media where they, you can tell, like, the, every, like, 10 pictures ago, well, it was the exact same setting. You can see the shadows in the same place. It's just the same picture. They didn't do, every one of these is not a run that they did every day. It's all fake, you know? And not everybody does that, but when they do, it makes us feel guilty that we're not doing as much as they are or that we're not doing as much as we should have been or whatever. And so these runners who get injured, I'm like, look, this is your opportunity. The reason you got this stress fracture is not because your foot is crooked. It's not because you didn't have custom orthotics that correct your biomechanical imbalances. It's not that you didn't go to church on Sunday. It's that you trained in a way that put too much stress on that bone and it couldn't take it. And so what either you were doing too much for what you were conditioned for, but if you strengthen those other things that actually make you a more efficient runner, make you a stronger, more balanced runner, then you're not gonna have one of those again. But if you do the exact same thing the way that you did it before, you will get a different one. You'll get another one in the same place or somewhere else. Maybe it'll be your second metatarsal instead of your fourth. 
but it will do the same thing to you. But this is your opportunity to actually become habituated to doing stuff that's healthy for you as opposed to unhealthy for you. And paying attention to your sleep is really healthy and it's important. Paying attention to your nutrition and your hydration, all these other pieces that keep you fit as a runner are critical. So I think it's really great that you, you know, can get them to focus so much on that. And it is a huge piece. It's really, really important. And if you don't do it, it won't pay off any more than like not doing the runs on your workout will not make you fit. You don't, you know, you don't get to do a marathon because you signed up. You get to do a marathon because you signed up and then had enough motivation or fear or whatever to get out of bed and go do the runs that are on your schedule and to talk to somebody who's, you know, really adept at actually formulating those workouts for you, right? So you've been doing this a long time. So people contact you and they need a coach and they work with you. They are going to make progress faster than if they do it themselves for sure. No question. And you know how to help them avoid these things because not just your own personal history, but the history of all these runners that you have helped who have gotten into trouble, you know how that happened. And you can see those patterns before they appear as an injury, which I think is really crucial and why people should get a coach. You know, it's really, really important. So yeah. <clears throat> what kind of people do you like to work with? Who, like, who do you enjoy working with the most? Um, I mean, I just love working with women or in general, humans who identify as women <laughs> um, that are plus sized or however, whatever body words they use to describe themselves as being, you know, not, not a typical, uh, typical looking runner's body. And I, in particular, I love working with women who struggle with either body image issues or confidence or you know, this belief that, that I was raised with, which is, you know, you have to be thin, that you should always be striving to be thin, that you should always be striving to be better. And, you know, it's just this very sort of patriarchal belief system that we're, you know, we always need to be improving and, and so forth. And like folks, women that have been raised with that sort of, you know, socialization, I find, I do, I, they do really well with my coaching because I can help them sort of see past what, what they've been taught all their lives and, and start to make decisions for themselves and start to feel, you know, better about themselves. I, th I feel like running, there's so much about running that builds confidence in people. And if I can help women who struggle with confidence start running when they thought running was something they could never do, then that's just a win for me. So those are my people. <laughs> yeah, that's fantastic. I mean, that really is the big piece. You know, it's this so much of running is actually having the confidence and the belief in yourself that you mm -hmm. can actually achieve the goals that you set for yourself. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, I think it's really great. Um, yeah, it's, I saw something the other day where a woman was saying that one of, you know, somebody, one of her athletes, um, had, um, uh, you know, workout didn't go the way it was supposed to, right? And we all have these days where you like have mm -hmm. this plan on what you're going to do, what your pace is, all that kind of stuff. And um, if a workout doesn't go well or a race doesn't go well, it's interesting how you think about that for so long, but that's not what other people think about, yeah. you know? And, but you're, you think that people think about that, right? That they're somehow aware of your failure. And uh, like one year at Ironman Canada, like I won't bore you with the long story, but basically I was really really, really fit. And I was really determined to try to get a slot, a, you know, Kona slot at that race. And I got in the front of the swim pack and I'm not a strong swimmer, but I figured if I got right on somebody that was much faster than me, I could probably draft them throughout the entire swim if I tried as hard as I could. Well, 
I almost got kicked in the head and I paused. And when that happened, I got run over by three people and I literally almost drowned and um, barely made it through the swim. And it just, of course, that was like not a good start to the day. So I was literally swimming while I was throwing up and um, it was terrible, terrible, terrible. So in the end, like my race time was not bad. It was just not what I wanted it to be. You know, I ended up getting hypothermic on the bike and seeing double vision, all this stuff. It's just like everything went wrong that could go wrong. And that happens sometimes. The next morning, there was a guy that I had sort of, we'd become friends. We were talking and it was his first Ironman. And he came out and I was sitting on the porch of this place where we're staying. And he said, you know, how was your race? And I almost, basically, I almost told him what a loser I was because I had like missed my goal time by like an hour. But it was still like, you know, for sure in the top half. And, and, I, and then I basically just thought, you know, I probably ought to just keep that to myself. And he was just like, I was like, how was your day? And he was like, oh, man, I did great. You know, he was ecstatic. And his time was like three hours slower than mine. And I, like in that moment, I was like, wow, if I just said what I was going to say, just basically beating myself up, but also making it implying that anyone that went slower, that's really a loser, you know it would have really, really been hurtful to him. And I think it's so you know, easy to recognize when we would do something in terms of self-criticism that's um, hurtful to other people, but we're not really yeah. good about recognizing that with ourselves. And that's why people need a coach. You know, that's why yeah. somebody needs uh, somebody to actually guide us who has a similar mindset and has had similar struggles. It's really, really important. And yeah. you know, I'm glad you're available uh, to help people with that. So in terms of your 30-day running start plan, and how people can find you, how they can reach out to you, how they can work with you. And of course, listen to your show. What's the best way for people to find you, Jill? Uh, well, the 30 the day running start, if you just go to notyouraveragerunner.com, it'll pop up there right at the top. It's free to sign up for that. Um, my podcast is called Not Your Average Runner, and it is on literally every possible platform that it could be on. And um, you can find me on Instagram at Not Your Average Runner and on Facebook at Not Your Average Runner. And I actually do have a free Facebook group that's it's got over 20,000 women in it at wow. this point, which is mind blowing to me. Um, and that's where fans of the podcast can hang out and just like at anyone in general. It is for women only, but uh, it's for if you identify as not the average runner in any way, um, that is the group for you. And so that's, I think that's called the official not your average runner podcast group <laughs> fantastic so yeah so then if you just google not your average runner it'll all come up for you okay so just give us a quick preview so we'll put the links in the show notes where people can go and uh, get your podcast get to that facebook group all that stuff but it, when somebody signs up for the free 30-day running start kit um program like what what can they expect what are they going to get out of that yeah so i will uh they'll get an email with basically they're beginning runs. Like this is how I'm going to start you out. And it's always a run walk approach. I teach that almost exclusively. And then you're going to get a few emails from me throughout the 30 days with some ideas on how you can um, think differently about your running, what kind of gear you might want to be getting. Um, like apps. I, I also give like some suggested apps to try out for uh, tracking your intervals. If you don't, you know, some people don't want to go and invest like $300 in a Garmin right away, but I give them like basically the, this is how you get started as a runner. And then I give them a taste of what my coaching is like so that they can see how, um, you know, how you can be a runner in a plus size body. And yeah. yeah. All right. Fantastic. 
Well, Jill, listen, thanks again. I know you're super busy and I really do appreciate you taking the time uh, out of your schedule to come on the show and share all of your wisdom and insights with everybody here. So thanks again for coming on the show. All right. Thank you for having me.